Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, this morning we continue our series uh, specifically highlighting these questions, life's big questions. The first three weeks we walk through uh, two specific main apologetic questions, one being that of does God actually exist, which is somewhat foundational for the rest of the questions that we were going to address or we're going to walk through. Last week we looked at this, this idea, this recognition that God has given us His holy word, the Bible, and if we can't believe that the Bible is true, then that means that pretty much most of what we would consider our foundation is also um, going to be uh, moot, or it's going to be something that's not necessarily, that doesn't necessarily matter. And then finally, uh, two weeks ago, we, we, we started, and then we kind of took a pause button. We're going to get back to it today. We, we, we understood the context uh, through Pastor Seth's message of what suffering looks like for the believer and how that specific suffering can be translated or understood in a world where we serve a good God. These last two weeks will stand on the same assumption uh, that we do at least have this recognition that the Bible is true and that God does exist. And so, as we walk through these, there will be, like I said, somewhat of an assumption that we recognize, uh, which centers around the fact that God is the creator of all. He sits on the throne. He's given us the revelation through His Word of understanding who He is and being able to understand who He is. He sent His Son, Jesus, into the world, who is God incarnate, and He acted as the one true sacrifice for all of us. And at this point, after God Uh, rose Jesus from the dead and then ascended into heaven, we all experience or have experienced the gift of the Holy Spirit who now is ascended upon the earth. Those assumptions are where we will move from for these last two weeks. Um, As we work through this, certainly there might be specific questions that continue that are apologetic in nature, but let me just say uh, that this is not a Um, when it's all over with, we close the door, and it's a nice, neat package, and everything is figured out. Instead, um, the journey, the spiritual journey that we have certainly is going to be riddled with questions, which is a good thing, Um, because as soon as you have God all figured out, uh, guess what? You don't need Him anymore, and so we will not ever get to that point. So I just want you to know that. Well, summer is coming. It's right around the corner. This is a a time of of transition and change. And uh, for the church, uh, the Wesleyan Church, we are concluding our church year. It actually ends at the end of of May and June 1st is the new church year. Our general conference is going on right now, which is the the main conference every four years. It takes place for all the Wesleyan Church. It's taking place in St. Louis right now. And so I've been prayerful for that. I'm going to ask for you to continue to be prayerful as they make decisions on a, on a denominational level. Uh, we've got transitions taking place within the church as far as some of the, the members you're voting for. And even uh, today, we're going to recognize the service uh, and the, the time of Pastor Dave and his wife, Beth. And so I'm going to preach for a while, um, and then I'm going to ask you to stay in your seats for a little while uh, as we take so, a few moments 
moments to recognize Pastor Dave and to celebrate their time together uh, with us. Uh, I'll just say this now in case I forget to say it later. They will be here next week. So um, if, uh, if you don't have the opportunity to be able to greet them, shake hands um, before you depart today, uh, they will be here next week as well. That being said, as summer comes, I think about the different things that summer holds. It holds camps and it holds trips for many. It holds vacations, maybe family vacations. One of the, the greatest memories I have as a child uh, in, um, in church in general was during summer, and it was this thing called Vacation Bible School. Uh, vacation Bible School for, for many is, a, is an opportunity to be able to come and to gather for a week or for a weekend or maybe a couple times throughout the summer, depending upon how it's structured, and to learn about the Bible, to learn about God, to learn about who He is and what, uh, what He's done for us. It's specifically geared towards engaging with children. And one of the things that I recognize about my formative experience with Vacation Bible School is the reason why it was extremely impactful, um, or one of the reasons why a contributing factor of why it was extremely impactful was because of the fact that it was an all-in endeavor. Right? If I were to ask you, hey, will you volunteer for a ministry? It's only going to be every single night for two or three hours of the week. You probably would say, how long? And if I told you more than a week, you'd probably say no. But if I say, hey, it's just a week, you'll probably jump in and go all in for that week, spending all of your, your energy, your time, your, your talent, your treasure. One of the other things I recognize about Vacation Bible School is the fact that it's a, it's a decoration time, right? There's, there's many ways, depending upon the theme, that you'll decorate, you'll put up different things so that the kids will be totally immersed in the topic, totally immersed in the theme for the year, and it's just an exciting moment for them to be able to gather together in that through music and through teaching and through Bible study, recreation, and, and snack, and all the things kind of point together. All this stuff envelops the child. All these things come together to bring forth this knowledge, this understanding, this truth. If you know the story of Lee Strobel, he was a, a journalist that actually set off to prove that there was no God, and through his endeavors, and uh, you can, you can see, read this in many of his books, there was also a movie that came out uh, in the, not too long ago that, that, that kind of chronicled this, this journey, but he kind of tried to walk through this journey of trying to prove that there was no God, and eventually found out through his, his own uh, expository understanding, his own way of, of exploring through this, that there was a God, that God loved him, and it transformed his life. He immersed himself in the truth. He immersed himself in the study, and God showed up. The concept of prayer in and of itself, as we engage in this question, what is the purpose of prayer, lies in this function, this main source, this recognition that the more we pray, and the more we pray, this isn't in your note guide, I'm sorry, you can write it down if you'd like to, the more we pray, the more we get to know God through prayer, the more we are changed. Because as you immerse yourself in relationship with God, in conversation, in engagement with God, the more you become like God and understand His nature, His character, His love for you. Why pray? That's an interesting question. Why should we pray? Oftentimes, Christians don't pray, and there's reasons for that. Sometimes it's the, the, the God of busyness. I've got too much going on. I don't have time to sit down and pray. I, I don't have time for, you know, to take a half hour, an hour, whatever it might be today, and so I'm just going to go about my day, and maybe I'll, I'll spurt off a couple of requests in the car on my busy way to work or to school. Christians don't pray sometimes because there's a fear of disappointment. Maybe 
You've prayed before, and the prayer request you have wasn't answered in the way you wanted, in the time you wanted, and so, you know what? I'm not going to pray anymore because God's just going to disappoint me. We've got this balance. God, you do your thing. You bless me in the way that I need it, but I'm not really going to reach out because I don't feel like you're going to answer the prayer the way I want. Sometimes Christians don't pray because they're struggling to pray the right way. This is just a practical thing, right? You think that there's this specific way that it has to be done, and there has to be a specific voice that you pray in that is so much more holy than your regular voice. God's only going to hear it if I do this voice. Just talking my normal voice, you're like, oh, no, 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 that's not, that's not holy, right? No, sometimes we, we don't know the exact rhythm or exactly what to do or when to do it or how to say it. Sometimes we don't pray because of pride, and we don't think of it as pride, but we have this mentality of, God, I can take care of, take care of this on my own. I'll get it done. Maybe we don't verbalize it, we just kind of think it. I'll get it done. I'll do the work. I have it all figured out. I'll set it up. I'm good to go. And in essence, what that is, is a pride issue. God, I can do it. I don't need you. Sometimes we don't want the answer, and so we don't pray. We know that God is going to give us an answer different from what we desire, and so we don't pray because, you know what, I don't want to sacrifice that thing or that, 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 that time management issue that I have. I don't want to sacrifice that possession or that relationship. Instead, I don't want to pray because I don't want the answer that you're going to give. Or maybe the last one, and this is an interesting one, this is maybe more philosophical, we don't pray because we recognize that, God, if you are God, you're all-powerful, you're in charge of everything— my prayers don't even matter. You got it already taken care of. Right? Anybody ever been that, on that one before? You think, you know what, God, if you're going to do this, why should I even weigh in? After all, you know better than me. You are better than me. Today, we're going to explore the question of prayer by examining an example of prayer. In fact, we're going to explore uh, with this prerequisite already that the individual we're going to engage with, which is Abraham, already is, is, is showing us a method that's extremely important in the recognition of prayer, which is he is having a conversation with God. In fact, what we're going to read today and what we're going to walk through, and I'm going to summarize part of the passage as well, is the fact that Abraham knows God, he loves God, he wants to engage in God, he, he recognizes his character, his nature, and so he's just simply having a conversation with the Creator of all. The context of this passage we're going to move into in just a moment is Genesis uh, chapter 18, if you want to put your finger there, we'll also have it on the screen, it is basically this. God has created the world, and over the course of 16 chapters, the world has gotten worse and worse and worse, and certainly it's gotten to this point where God has recognized the evil that is in specifically this city, Sodom, and right here we see that Abraham recognizes, hey, God's justice is going to rain fire down and destroy this city. Because of the sin, because of the way that it has fallen away from God, he is going to destroy the sin, which is, in essence, part of God's nature to destroy the darkness, to destroy evil. And sometimes we look at it and think, that's pretty bleak, but that, that's really what takes place because he is a just God. He's going to destroy this city, but Abraham, one who, who has compassion and, and, and really wants, in, in a lot of ways, to see the city saved, but mostly wants to see his relative, Lot, saved. He doesn't want him to die. He pleads on behalf of the city and on behalf of his, his nephew, Lot, to save this city from destruction. 
And so I'm going to pick up in, in verse 16, this, this recognition of the fact of, of who God is. I'm going to pick up in 16. I think the passage on the screen is going to start in 20, which is okay. Um, you can either take my word for it or you can open your own Bible. There we go. It says, when the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Abraham, walking along with them to see them on their way. And so here we see that these, these men have come. They're there to, to, uh, to, to be part of this whole situation. There are these three visitors. They come. And, and as, it, as it pertains to the specific story, there's a recognition that, hey, there's something bad that's going to happen here. There's something bad that's going to take place. And the stage has been set. The die has been cast that it's all going to come to an end. Now I'll jump to verse 20. It says, then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great that their sin is so grievous, 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 fill in the blank, that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. I'm going to pause midway through this specific address, but here it begins. Then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? And here we see this conversation starting. Abraham is having this conversation with God. He's beginning to address this this real concern that he has. God, if you are a good God, if you're a loving God, you will only destroy the wicked because your nature is to destroy the wicked, not the good. So those who are righteous will be spared, right? You'll spare those who are righteous. Abraham is actually, in this point, pleading in the name of God because he recognizes who God is and he recognizes how God operates and who God uh, in, intends to, to continue to bring forth this blessing of life. He understands the nature of God. And in his prayer and his recognition here, he knows God in a very real way. Sometimes in life, it's okay to be a yes man. It's okay to say yes to your boss or your parent or that uh, police officer who pulls you over. It's okay to be a yes man. And here, Abraham is not necessarily taking on this yes man mentality because he recognizes the, this disparity, dis, dis, man, I'm missing the words today, uh, between God and God's a- intended action. He recognizes the fact that there's something that he says he's going to do, and then the reality is that God is a different God. God has a different posture, a different nature. And so as we dig deeper into this understanding, we recognize the fact that Abraham is seeing the fact that he trusts his God. He trusts the God, the creator of all, but he also wants to bring forth this reality of maybe there's a difference in what you're trying to do versus what you believe. And so the first question, why pray, which we'll address throughout this whole sermon, uh, the first question, why pray, is responded in this first moment, God desire, God's desire is for redemption and reconciliation. Why do we pray? We pray so that we can see, we can experience, we can, we can know reconciliation. We can know redemption in our lives. Certainly part of that, that prayer of redemption is this prayer of coming to God and, and recognizing our sin and allowing Him to change us, to transform us through, the, the confes- the, through confession and through salvation. And so as a means to, obviously we see that to begin with, but also there's this necessary reconciliation. When we pray, when we, when we pray this way, we pray in God's will. And how do we do this? Maybe write this down. This is good. The only way to pray in God's will is to be in God's Word. 
The only way to pray in God's will, to know God's will, is to be in God's Word. And that's not an easy, open, and, and closed uh, you know, situation. Th- this is obviously larger than simply just saying, okay, well, I found a passage that I like. I'm going to pray that passage over and over again out of context, and hopefully God will bless it. That's not what it is. But when you read God's Word, the Spirit speaks to you, understand His nature, His character. And so when you pray, you do so for redemption and reconciliation in the name of God. Verse 24, this continuation of conversation says, what if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? And so Abraham is calling him on this. He's saying, look, I I know this isn't your nature. Why would you destroy those who are righteous? And I would have to believe at the same time as we continue forward that Abraham is starting to kind of grasp at straws here. Maybe there aren't 50. So, you know, I'll downgrade it a little bit. He continues uh, after the Lord said, if I find, he, he agrees to it, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. And I'm sure Abraham's thinking, yeah, that's good, but you know what? I don't know that if I went door to door that I'm going to find 50 people. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold as to speak uh, to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, which is a great position to be in, right? You come to God and and don't assume that you know anything. Don't assume you have it all figured out. He kind of puts himself in the right place. And he says, though I'm just dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? We destroy the whole city for a lack of five people. If I find, and this is, this is right here, this is, this is amazing. If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. God gets right to the point, right? So you said 50, and then you subtract five to make it sound better. Well, it's 45, right? So if I find 45, then, well, I'll not destroy it. I'm sure Abraham scratches his head a little bit and thinks, you know what, 45, that's still a lot of people. Once again, he spoke to him, what if only 40 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will do it. And he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? So we've, we've cut it down. Uh, 20 are gone. and then Just 30, that's all it is. And he answers, I will do it if, if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be there. And here we already are kind of seeing he's, he's shedding some of that, I'm, the, I'm dirt, I'm ashes. You know, he, he's getting to this point where it's just like, oh, you know what, I just kind of, I got to get to the point here. I'm not finding all these people that I, I, I first originally said would be there. And he's starting to, he's starting in this point to see Sodom the way that God sees Sodom. He said, for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. And then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. It's an interesting interaction. It's an interesting prayer. As Abraham walks through it, he continues 
throughout the process for his mind, his heart, his understanding to become more and more in line with the God creator of all. You ever gone to God and said, God, here's the agenda. Let me just let you know here's what it is. And as you continued to walk through it, and as the days went on or the moments even went on, you recognize, you know what, God, you got this figured out. And while earlier when I addressed you, I said, I'm ashes and I'm dust, I'm starting to believe that's true. God, you know what you're doing. You don't need my help. You don't request my help. You, you want me to be part of your redemptive work, but you don't need me. We see an example here specifically of Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Now certainly in context, that's, that's referring specifically to salvation, but the universal understanding of that is the fact that when we engage with God, when we go to God with requests, He will bring forth truth. And sometimes that truth isn't necessarily the answer we want, but instead it comes from a place of knowing Him better. He gives us the truth to understand what He has, what His plans are. Why pray? Why pray? Let me just say this. Through the open and honest avenue of prayer comes strong or a strong relationship with God. A stronger relationship with God, a, a, a need and a, a recognition that conversation and communication make a difference in life. You and I know this interpersonally with, with people around us, maybe a, a friend or a spouse or, a, or, or a, uh, a child or a coworker. The more you converse with them, you learn about them. You learn who they are and what they're about. And I, I'm talking so much more than words. Obviously, actions are a big part of that because communication is really way, I mean, words are only, what, 12 to, to 18% of, of, of communication is, is simply words. And so all the rest of this recognition of, of living, being with people, being in engagement with people, we come to know them in a greater way. This is all made possible through Jesus and through understanding that He has opened the door for us to engage with the real God, with the one true God of all. In a time of concern, a time of fear, in a time of uncertainty and unclarity, God gets to know us in a greater way. Here, Abraham is growing in his relationship with God because he's in a place of fear. He's in a place of discouragement. He's in a place of anxiety and angst for a loved one. And perhaps you have been there before, maybe even there right now, where you have a loved one that just, they're, they're struggling, maybe by their own means or because of outward things or a combination of all those things. There's just a, a struggle going on in their life, and you are, 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 are torn up. Let me just say, this is a moment where God wants to engage with you, grow with you, get to know you, and for you to get to know Him. Sometimes I, I find myself in a place where I, I want to do something, I want to work on a project, and I think, I'll work on that later. Sometimes I get back to those projects. Oftentimes, I do not. And the reason is because the moment has passed. The moment has gone. Let me just say, right now, in the midst of the storm that you might be in, in the midst of the struggle or the conversation that you might be in right now, don't think, well, I'll grow in my faith or I'll get to know God when it's over. No, now is the moment that you can grow in your relationship with God. And if you lose it, the urgency is gone. This is, this is a moment where you can grow strong and be deeply rooted in God. If you want to grow more deeply in your relationship with God, then communicate with Him daily, especially in times of struggle, pain, torment, and darkness. This was formative in Abraham's life. In fact, we, we see his, his story moving forward. 
and an understanding of, of where God uh, took Abraham because of the close relationship that they had and the growing relationship they had together. For the rest of the story at this point, in, in verse 19 or chapter 19, we see um, that Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the city of Sodom, is destroyed. And one quick message that that reveals to us is that there weren't even ten in the city. Because that was God's promise, and that was what God related to uh, Abraham in that moment. Certainly there were some that were spared. Lot left with, with his daughters, his wife left, but uh, she all just got salty along the way. And so they, they, they left the city. They went to a place where, where they could be safe. And from that, you know, God is just, and he did destroy the city. He destroyed this darkness, this place that was, was, was not of, uh, of him. Why pray? To allow God to be good because, and here's the point, God is just and true to his word. And it may not always be in the time frame we want. It may not always be in the way that we desire. It may not always be in, in the, the, the clear cut, uh, here are the checklist box, God, I want you to do these things in this way. It may not be that way, but he is always just and true to his word. Some might look at this and think, man, I can't, I'm disappointed. I can't believe God still destroyed the city. He still destroyed the city, this city of people. I mean, these were people. How could he do this? The point lies with the fact that God facilitated a balanced approach and sought reconciliation, but had to carry out justice because of the negative choices, the wrong choices of the people. There are people that believe, even people within the context of the church, that there is no hell. That God, a good God can't allow this. Let me just say there, there is a hell because God has stated that there will be torment. There will be eternal torment and damnation for those who do not believe in him. And a good God, a God who has promised this, would not just say, okay, here's what it's going to look like and then change you know, the, the, the story, flip the script. Instead, this is how it will work. Some might look at it and say, well, he destroyed the city. He was planning on doing it anyway. Who cares about the conversation with Abraham? Why'd that even matter? In fact, if it was going to happen anyway, why should I pray? Why should I reach out for about anything? Christian author Pete Gregg says this, in prayer, we use our will to come into agreement with God's will. Let your kingdom come becomes our mantra becomes our desire, becomes our inward focus. And this recognition, even if God was going to destroy the city anyway, let's look at it in this context, even if he was going to destroy the city anyway, that reality that Abraham was to grow in his relationship with God may have been the only purpose for Abraham's prayers. I don't know. Certainly, there was opportunity there to learn more about God and who he was, but maybe a big portion of Abraham's prayers was simply to know God greater. So here's some take-homes for Abraham's prayer life. The first one is this, a healthy prayer posture will help you recognize that you are not God. That is foundational for prayer. If you come to prayer with an agenda, if you come to prayer assuming you have the upper hand, if you come to prayer saying, God, here's what I need for you to do, 
Certainly there's, there's a, a, a necessary reaction to look at or a necessary response to look at from Abraham's life that we must step back and realize that our posture either figuratively or literally needs to be on our knees before the God, the creator of all. Prayer helps you surrender control to someone else. Surrender control to the God of all. The second thing is this. Prayer gives us a picture of the world outside of ourselves. Sometimes, sometimes our engagement with God through prayer can be something where it's just this little interaction where we stay in our own little bubble, we stay in our own little understanding, and as we engage with God, we, we, we kind of remain in this echo chamber almost of here's the things I'm going to believe, here's the things I'm going to know. But when we come to God, he, he gives us this perspective to see the world, maybe not in the same way that He does exactly, but to see the world with a larger scope. The fact that he has a greater plan to play, the fact that, that we are part of this plan and that there are ways that he's going to use, especially our torment, especially our, our, the destruction we see around us, especially the things that we walk through in the darkness to be able to glorify him and to be able to bring maybe more to the foot of the cross. A third thing is this, prayer helps you communicate authentic thoughts, feelings, and desires. Prayer is a place where you can be open with God. In, in fact, get this, God's not going to be hurt. His feelings aren't going to be hurt when you come and express your discouragement, when you express your frustration. In fact, even if you come to God with a prideful heart, He's not going to be upset about that or frustrated. Instead, we can be authentic. We can be real with God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 reads like this. The Apostle Paul tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that again. Listen to these words. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about just that one thing or this or that. No, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... If we were to look at a transcript of our own prayer life, would, would there be a situation where you recognize that in all things we're anxious about that we go to God? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Come to God with, with an open heart, with, with, a, with a heart of, of, of love, with a heart of desire, a, dark, a heart of hoping to see an impact by his life. And the peace of God, this is the response, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The fourth one is this, prayer may inspire you to take steps of faith. Prayer may inspire you to step forward in a way where God said, hey, Here's a need, or here's a desire I have, or here's a, a something that I placed before you, and that, that compassion or that empathy that you feel, I want you to act upon that through this relationship that we have together. In fact, let me just say this, and this might be scary. This might have been one that we add to that top list of why Christians don't pray. It may be true that God is inviting you to be part of the answer to your own prayer. And that can be hard sometimes because God might call us to step in and witness to somebody within our context that it might be difficult to have a conversation with. Or God, God might call us to step forward and volunteer in that, 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 that thing within the church or outside of the church or to, or to be that, that person that somebody needs to be able to listen. God might call you to do something, might inspire you to do something and take a step of faith to even engage in and be part of the answer to your own prayer. 
Then finally, the Bible reveals that God wants to act in response to our prayers. John 15, 7 and 8 says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. God wants to work. He wants to move. He wants to bring forth this this fruition in our lives. God wants to bless us. Get that? God wants to bless you. And this isn't simply just a, 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 um, a prosperity gospel principle. No, God wants to bless you. Sometimes the blessing isn't going to be a, a material thing that you think, but the blessings that He grants sometimes are, are patience. Many times, actually, they are fruits of the Spirit. He blesses us in ways that are spiritual that we can't fully understand or grasp until we receive that blessing, and then we see how, how this is how God changed me. This is how God has transformed and brought forth a blessing. We also need to remember, though, at times that that when God doesn't answer our prayers, it's not an indicator that He doesn't love us. It's an indicator that He does love us, and He knows better. He knows better than than maybe sometimes the just in our prayers. And I say just, I put a a quotation around it. Sometimes, and I'm guilty of this too, sometimes we pray, God, will you just do this? And God's saying, no. I'm not just going to do that. I'm going to do this. That's so much more than you can ever imagine. It's so much more than you could ever know or see or, or develop on your own. I'm going to do so much more, abundantly more than you could ever experience or come up with on your own. I won't just. We're not going to settle for that. His ways are not always my ways. His ways are not always going to be your ways. In fact, sometimes you might pray for physical healing or you might pray for reconciliation in a certain area and you just wonder, God, why are you not bringing forth a a new day, a a healing? Your way is healing. Let me just say this, for all believers, for all that know Him, we will ultimately all receive healing. We will ultimately receive reconciliation, maybe not here on this earth and the timing that God wants, but when we pass from this life into the next, we will receive healing. And so those prayers will all be answered for those who follow Jesus. In fact, what that does, it springboards the necessity for us to pray for spiritual needs over all other needs. God is good. And the bottom line, why pray? Why should we pray? Ultimately, the reason that we pray, and this is the bottom line for it all, is because prayer transforms the prayer. I've used this point one other time in a sermon, and I, 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 it, it's one of those that rattles through my mind. I don't know if you ever have those specific statements, but think about that for a moment. Prayer transforms the prayer. Prayer transforms you. It transforms me to become more like our Savior, to have an outlook on life that's reframed so we can know Him better, spiritual growth and relationship with God, compassion that turns into empathy, action, so that we step forward and engage in people in this world Prayer transforms the prayer. It transformed Abraham. And in fact, it still transforms us today as we continue to come to him, as we continue to know him in a greater way. I'm going to take a moment in just a second, and we're going to transition from this portion of the service to a portion of celebration of Pastor Dave and Beth. And I just want to say there is an awesome link here specifically between uh, this necessity of knowing God and understanding his prayers. 
Because certainly as Pastor Dave and Beth have walked through this transition of recognizing God's closing one door and opening another, there is a reality that, hey, in a lot of ways, when they prayed, God revealed the correct path. He closed this door, he closed that door, and he opened this door, and he showed them directly what the next, wor- what the next leg of their journey was, what the next work was that he had for them to engage in. And I'll just say, sometimes those things come for us out of left field. We think, God, where, where did that come from? Sometimes they come as a prompting of the Spirit, or, or sometimes they come from, from words of others or those that know us best. Whatever that the means might be, God uses prayer to transform and change us and to direct us into whatever He has for us moving forward. And so I wanna, I'm going to start with this, and hopefully this will be a sampling for later. We're just going to pause for a moment in silence. And in silence, and we didn't do a how to pray. That, this wasn't a, a practical how to pray. But one of the main things that I always encourage in silence is just to take a moment and ask God, God, what do you want to say to me? We've all had those, those conversations with someone else where we do all the talking or they do all the talking. Sometimes in prayer, we do all the talking. We're going to pause in silence, and it's going to be a brief moment. Like I said, this is kind of a preview because what I'm going to encourage you to do, here's your homework, is to take some time every day this week in silence if you don't already and ask the question, God, what do you have to say to me? And then just let him talk. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless. God bless.